And we find here in this passage that the Lord Jesus is invited to the house of a Pharisee. And the Savior was sociable. He wasn't a hermit. Some people think he was sort of like a recluse that he hid away in a monastery, almost like a monk. Not at all. That's not the, the Jesus of the Bible. But he's invited to this home and he, he, he's courteous and he accepts the invitation and he goes. Now the Pharisee Simon, he might have had an ulterior motive. He might have wanted to trip him up and to tie him to, to um, catch him out. We don't know the motive, why Simon invited him to the house. But anyway, the Lord Jesus knew the motive because he can read people's thoughts. And he goes to the house of Simon. And there's a meal. And this meal revolves around a story. I want you to get that tonight. If you don't understand this point, you'll not really grasp the whole story and the whole incident. This meal revolves around a story. We all like a story, don't we? We like a good story, even us grown-ups. It's nice to take a book, isn't it, and escape from the humdrum of life for a while. Children love stories, little children and bedtime stories. There's something about a story. Do you know who the greatest storyteller was? The Lord Jesus. The Lord Jesus Christ was the greatest storyteller ever. The stories he told are called parables. And we find a parable in this passage that we've read in Luke chapter 7. Verse 41, here's the story. There was a certain creditor which had two debtors. The one owed 500 pence and the other 50. And when they had nothing to pay... He frankly forgave them both. So here at this meal table, as the Lord Jesus leans on his right elbow, and everybody else does the same, and they're reaching out for whatever's on the table with their left hand, the Lord Jesus tells this story. And this story is at the center of this meal. There are three characters in the story. I want to think about them tonight at the end of the meeting. The first, the first one is the debtor. There's actually two debtors, but I want us to think about the first debtor. Debtor number one, we'll call them. You see, the Lord Jesus, he speaks of the two debtors. He says there's one who owed 500 pence and another 50. What about this one who owes the 500? We're going to deal with this debtor first. They owe 500 pence. Obviously, the Lord Jesus is applying this to the lady, to the sinful woman who has gate-crashed this meal. Just before this meal took place, the Lord Jesus uttered the wonderful words, in Matthew eleven twenty eight, we we all know them. Come unto me, all ye that labour and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. If you compare the synoptic gospels, which just means Matthew, Mark, and Luke, 
you will find that just before this meal, those are the words that Jesus spoke. Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. I wonder, did this dear lady hear these words? And was that what drew her to Simon's house? And I want you to think about what she did whenever she got to the house. You see, she wasn't invited. Women weren't invited to to meals with Pharisees. Women weren't spoken to. The Pharisees wouldn't even speak to a woman. You do know that Pharisees got up every morning and they thanked God that they weren't a Gentile and they weren't a woman. Meal. Pharisees. But this lady, she, she approaches Simon's house. And she's hovering around the outside. She's like a spectator. There would have been other people who hadn't been invited to the meal, who were hovering around the outside of the house. Because Jesus was there, they wanted to hear the conversation, wanted to hear Jesus, or wanted to hear, maybe they come, they wanted to hear some of the questions of the Pharisees, and they were maybe hoping secretly that the Pharisees would trip them up and expose them for a fraud. People would have surrounded the house for all different kinds of reasons. But the lady comes in. You know, as I thought about this message during the week and even today, I couldn't help but think of the many people out there who are hovering around this house. Spectators, as it were. And Jesus is in this house. You do know that? Because he lives in every believer. Christ in you, the hope of glory. Everybody who's washed in the blood of Jesus in this service tonight, Jesus lives within them. He lives inside them by his spirit. So Jesus is here. He's in this house. Wouldn't you just love to see a poor sinner come in and stop hovering outside in Primity or Duncastle or Gorton or Rossley or, or wherever? That they would come in. I've prayed that this week. I've said, Lord, bring a broken person, a person with a broken heart, a very broken individual into the church. Lord, bring the worst sinner in new buildings into the church. I'm sure those of you are saved that you've been praying the same. You see, I've, I always remember the statement. I can't remember who it was that, that first said it, but they said the church is not a museum for saints. It's a hospital for sinners. It's not to be a museum for saints where we come in here and we preen our feathers and we, we look at ourselves and navel gaze and say, my, what a holy Christian I am. Super spiritual. Didn't John talk about that this morning? Super spiritual. Well, I won't tell you tonight your pastor's not super spiritual. He's just a sinner saved by grace. It's not special either. 
But we come here to this house longing for the day whenever broken sinners who are at the end of their tether and their life is messed up beyond belief when they come in here to hear and to listen to the word of God as the gospel goes forth and they hear of a saviour who didn't come to call the righteous but came to call sinners to repentance. Now what about this first debtor here, this lady who owes the 500 pence? It doesn't sound like a lot to us. She means just a fiver to us. But it was a lot more money back in Jesus' day. This was a, a large debt. A lot of sins that this lady had to be forgiven. But she came to the person who could forgive her sins. But what did she do? First of all, she stood behind him. If you look at verse 38, it tells us that she stood behind him. Behind him. Why'd she do that? Because she was shy. She was a shy person. She was reserved. She was bashful, backward. Probably ashamed, no doubt, ashamed of the life she'd lived. And here we have this shy individual. She's, she, she is so shy that she just stands behind Jesus. She doesn't want to get any closer. Doesn't want to come right up to him, right in front of him. Doesn't want to go right into the, the middle of the room. She stands behind him. Aloof. Shy lady. But she still comes to Jesus. I want, you to notice, I want you to notice that. She still entered into the house and she still came to the Savior. I wonder am I talking to anybody tonight who's shy? I think most people are. Most of us are. I say most of us are introverts rather than extroverts. This lady was an introvert. And she comes, uh, she stands behind the Savior and she's shy, but she still comes to him. I'm glad tonight that shy people, backward people, reserved people, introverts can come to Jesus. Is that you tonight? Are you shy? Are you easily embarrassed? You can come to Jesus. That's why I don't like to embarrass people in church. I'm not into public expressions or appeals. I'm not, I have no problem with appeals. But I do have a problem with long appeals. And when just as I am is played for 15 minutes in the appeal. And one preacher, I remember him, he was in a meeting and he said, I mean, preacher, he said he was almost going to respond out of sympathy to the evangelist. Because just on and on, just dragging it out, dragging it out. One thing I don't like to do is embarrass people because as, as I said earlier, I believe most people are reserved and shy. And I said last week, last Sunday morning, that salvation is a personal business between the soul and Christ. It's a personal business. 
Nothing wrong if a person wants to publicly respond. Of course not. But we don't want to force people into decisions and embarrass people. And I believe the Lord Jesus never embarrassed anyone. He certainly didn't embarrass this lady, this sinful lady who came to him. She stood behind him. He knew she was shy. But then secondly, notice she washes his feet. She washed his feet. And she used a very special kind of water to wash his feet. You notice that? Her tears. That's special. It says, verse 38 again, she began to wash his feet with tears. Do you know what that actually means in the original? There was a shower of tears. She showered her tears upon his feet. It was raining tears that day in Simon's home. I tell you, she was a broken-hearted lady. That's what we long to see in these days. People who are broken over their sin. The problem that we preachers have is getting people to the place where they actually realize that they are sinners and when they begin to feel the awfulness of sin. Or the, the, the hymn writers talked about, about the plague of sin. To Calvary, Lord and Spirit, now our weary souls repair to dwell upon thy dying love and taste its sweetness there. Sweet resting place of every heart that feels the plague of sin. Do you feel the plague of sin? Until you do, you'll never want to seek Christ. Until people out there feel the plague of sin, they'll never want to seek Christ. That's why when you're preaching the gospel, you, you need to start with the law of God and the Ten Commandments. And that's why in the open air and the street preachers, they must start with the bad news that we were guilty. We've broken the Ten Commandments. And then when you realize that you're guilty, then you'll go to the one who can remove your guilt, and that's Christ. She washes his feet with her tears. It was a Charlie Chaplin who said, remember the wee man in the silent movies? He said, I love walking in the rain because no one can see my tears. I love walking in the rain because no one can see my tears. Well, I can imagine this woman loved walking in the rain. Probably, you see, out in Israel there's not much rain, but any time it rained, I'm sure she loved to walk in it. Because no one could see her tears, the tears of a broken heart. There was a lot of tears in new buildings. May the Lord give us a heart for people who are broken and heartbroken. Oh, we mightn't see their tears, but behind closed doors or when they put their head on the pillow at night, perhaps that's when the tears come. Tear-stained pillows in new buildings. Well, the gospel and the Saviour are for people like that. Then she dries his feet. 
to dry the Savior's feet. She uses a special kind of towel, her hairs, the hairs of her head. You know, in Psalm 40, verse 12, it says, My iniquities are more than the hairs of mine head. I'm sure this poor lady, as she comes and washes the feet of Christ, and she dries his feet, perhaps she's even thinking of Psalm 40, and she's saying, Lord Jesus, my iniquities are more than the hairs of my head. I'm so guilty. I'm so awful. I'm so sinful. I'm so wicked. But Lord Jesus, you're the one who can take them all away. There's thousands of hairs in my head, Lord, but and even though my sins are more than all those thousands of hairs, Lord, your blood that you're going to shed someday is able to wash them all away, able to take my iniquities all away, forgiven, forgotten forever. Psalm 69 speaks of the hairs of the head. They that hate me without a cause are more than the hairs of mine head. This lady, obviously she was hated by Simon. Simon the Pharisee will come to him in a moment. He hated her for a start. But I'm sure there are many other people who hated her. It's interesting, by the way, that Simon seems to know so much about this lady. He speaks, he says, if the Lord knew what kind of a lady this was, he wouldn't let her touch him. Strange, isn't it, that he knows her so well? wonder how he knows her so well. Wonder maybe, has he been with her? Wonder maybe, was he with her in his past? See, this lady, reading between the lines, she was probably a prostitute. Wonder was Simon with her, and maybe it's sort of hidden away. And now he's a proud Pharisee, and he doesn't want anybody to know about this secret liaison that he had with this lady that he now hates and despises. I don't know. But it's, you wonder how, he know, how, how is it that he knows her so well? But she was hated. But it didn't matter, it, it didn't matter if all the world hated her. The Lord Jesus loved her. Folks, one tell you tonight, it doesn't matter how many people hate you. As long as Christ loves you, that's all that matters. Because you're not going, to stand before, not going to stand before people at the end of the day, at the judgment seat. You're going to stand before Christ. Well, let's come to debtor number two, Simon the Pharisee. Better move on here and finish off. The debtor, the Lord telling this story at the meal table. He refers to the other debtor, the debtor who owed 50 pence. It's obviously Simon that he's referring to. You see, Simon thought he was ten times better than the woman. He thought she was ten times worse than him. But the Lord exposes Simon. The Lord opens Simon's eyes. He got a gunk. Isn't that what we talk about in Northern Ireland? He got a gunk. He was in for a surprise here. Because the Lord Jesus shows him that actually, rather than him being the 50 pence debtor, he's actually the 500 pence debtor. He's the worst of the two. 
So the Lord Jesus actually is turning the whole thing around here. He reverses it. Look at verse 44. And he turned to the woman and said unto Simon, Seest thou this woman? I entered into thine house. Thou gavest me no water for my feet. There's your first sin, Simon. You see, the Lord talks about sins of omission here. The woman, the sinful woman, she was guilty of sins of commission. Whether we talk about our prostitution or whatever it was, sins of commission. Wrong things that she had done. Sins of the flesh. But Simon's sins were sins of omission, things that he had failed to do. And failed to do for Christ in his own house. And unlike the lady, his sins were sins of the spirit. Sins that no one could see. For example, pride, pride. He was so proud. And the Lord Jesus shines the light away from the lady. And he shines it onto Simon. The searchlight. Spotlight. Thou gavest me no water for my feet. But she hath washed my feet with tears and wiped them with the hairs of her head. Simon, you failed, but she passed the test. You're looking down on the lady, but actually, Simon, you're the one who's in the wrong. Simon, tell you, tell you what, Simon, you're the sinner. Stop looking down your nose at this woman. Wake up to the fact that you're actually the 500 pence debtor. Thou gavest me no kiss. But this woman, since the time I came in, hath not ceased to kiss my feet. How, do you ever kiss anybody's feet? It's probably the last thing on earth you would want to do. This lady comes in to, the, to Simon's home. She starts to kiss the, the feet of Jesus, and she doesn't stop. She's just constantly kissing them because she loves him so much. But Simon didn't kiss the Savior. Now, when it talks about the kiss here, that was the custom in those days. We would say the handshake today. Shake hands. That's our custom. Simon, when I came in, where was the handshake? My head with oil thou didst not anoint, but this woman hath anointed my feet with ointment. Do you see what's happening here? The Savior is just like, it's like, you know when you go to the, the bowling alley and you throw the bowl down and skittle all the bowls. The Lord Jesus, is, he, he skittles all these sins, these, uh, the, these aspects of Simon's life. Simon's so proud, he thinks he's got it all together, he's... Ten times better than the woman, but actually it's like Jesus and he throws the bowl, he just skittles them all. And it's just as if the Lord is saying, um, Hello, Simon, do you now see that you're a sinner? 
And that brings me to the creditor. Because in the story, in Luke 7, the Savior speaks of a creditor. There was a certain creditor. We would say money lender. The Lord is good at lending. Didn't we sing earlier about, I will love thee as long as thou lendest me breath. Do you ever bow your head and say, thank you, Lord, for the breath that I breathe? But he lends us so many other things, doesn't he? The creditor here is obviously Christ. He, Christ is speaking about himself as he tells this story. As he refers to this creditor, he, he's, he's talking about himself. And this creditor is so generous. That's the one word we could describe him by, generous. Because you notice his generosity there as we finish in verse 42. And when they had nothing to pay, he frankly forgave them both. Here's this rich money lender. And the Lord Jesus is pictured here. And oh, how rich he is, how wealthy he is. Every beast of the forest is his, and the cattle upon a thousand hills, even the hills are his too. But this creditor forgives both the debtors freely, just wipes the slate clean. That's what he did for the lady in this story, in this incident. And that's what he wanted to do for Simon. But sadly, we don't read that Simon was forgiven. We don't know. Perhaps he was. We trust he was. Trust he's in heaven tonight. But we don't read off it. But what we do read is that this woman was forgiven. This sinful woman, as she's described. She was forgiven. You know, as I read this passage this afternoon, I was struck by how, by how many times it refers to forgiveness. Do you notice it? Just look with me as we finish. And then we're done. Verse 42, And when they have nothing to pay, he frankly forgave. Verse 43, Simon answered and said, I suppose that he to whom he forgave. Verse 47, Wherefore I say unto thee, her sins, which are many, are forgiven. Verse 48, Thy sins are forgiven. Verse 49, Who is this that forgiveth sins also? Forgiveness. It's wonderful. That's our greatest need tonight. That's why God sent us a saviour. People out there in new buildings, even though they don't realise it, their greatest need is forgiveness. It's great to be forgiven. I wonder, are you forgiven? This lady was forgiven. Not far from New York, in a cemetery lone, close Guarding its grave stands a simple headstone. And on its grave, this one word alone, forgiven. No sculptor's fine art has embellished its form, but constantly there through the calm and the storm, it bears this one word from a poor fallen worm 
forgiven. It shows not the place of the silent one's birth, reveals not his frailties nor lies of his worth, but tells out its tale from those few feet of earth forgiven. The name is unmentioned, the date is untold, beneath lies the body corrupted and cold, above rests the spirit at home in the fold forgiven. And when from the skies the Lord shall descend, this stranger will rise into glorious end, well known and befriended to sing without end, forgiven.